clock has struck 3 a.m. The witching hour has begun. Are you ready to be initiated into the Black Magic Coven? Join your sisters, Liz, Kaylee, Andrea, Marissa, as we meet to discuss the macabre, creepy, and sinister. We call upon the Four Corners to summon the Coven. Join us in starting the first episode of the Black Magic Coven. Uh, today, we are going to introduce our four main coven members and just talk a little about who we are and what we love and give you an idea as to what is going to be on the podcast. So we want to let you know what this podcast is about. And of course, as we mentioned, it's about the macabre, creepy, and sinister, but it might be about a little bit more than that even. So we hope that you enjoy and uh, get to know us. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is what our entry into horror was. So all of us ladies love horror, and but we all have different entry points into horror. So we wanted to kind of give you all an idea as to what first uh, spawned our interest or spurred our interest into the horror genre. So, Kaylee, what do you what do you want to talk about? Oh man. So, this question was kind of tricky for me because I think initially I thought like I don't know if there's any one thing that got me into it. And then I realized there was this summer that um I spent a lot of time at the library. I think I was in like maybe 6th grade and I got really into the Goosebumps books. So I was oh constantly gosh, yes. checking out the Goosebumps books and they were a, a quick read for me at that age. And I don't I don't think I went through every Goosebumps book, but I did go through essentially every one of the library. And then I graduated into the Fear Street books and the Fear Street books just like set me on that whole other plane of like, whoa, this is something like totally new for me, but I cannot put it down. Can't stop reading it can't I never want to look away from it I want to I want to like indulge myself in every book that R.L. Stein has to offer you officially became a preteen when you started reading the Ear Street books I, mean, I know that, was... <laughs> that was what set it off <laughs> you moved do... up from goosebumps to Fear Street yeah I do think too like I always watch shows like Liz I know you remember this specifically the show the Disney Channel show so weird Oh, I love oh, yes. that show. Yeah. <laughs> I know Liz and I had had a conversation about it. Um, yeah. But So Weird was something I was always interested in. And just, like, vaguely spooky things, like Hocus Pocus. And yeah. there was yeah. a book series called Twitches that was about teen witches that I always read. So looking back, I think I just always had that, like, light interest in it. And the older I got, the more I was, like oh, I can go darker and darker and farther with this interest. Yeah, I love that. What about you guys? Who's next? So for me, I have to give big props to Blockbuster Video. Yes. Um, I was super lucky and my parents kind of didn't care what I rented. So I had a girlfriend of mine and she would spend the night a lot and we'd always go to Blockbuster before we had a slumber party. And we would pick out these awesome movie covers because I feel like growing up like 80s to early 90s VHS tape art was amazing. 
And I didn't yeah. really realize it then, but like looking back, it was like you could kind of pick up a movie and it might not be anything about what the cover looked like, um, but that's how I would pick my movies. So it's kind of a two-parter. So going and getting movies, we were always drawn to the horror section and getting movies from there. And then my other thing was I had found some books in my mother's bedroom. Um, what, some of them were by Sybil Leake, which I don't know if you guys are familiar, but she's kind of a medium, a little witchy. Um, and then Helter Skelter, which is about the Manson murders. And she just absolutely would not let me read them. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to let me watch all these crazy movies, but I can't read these books. And so it kind of, I guess, the little rebellious thing was I'm going to seek these things out. So that kind of spawned my interest in all of the genres that we are going to talk about on this podcast. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I have like a little story to go off of the blockbuster thing. My sister, I remember for some reason, she became obsessed with the Hannibal cover. Yeah. And she would, every time we would go to Blockbuster, she would say, I'm going to watch that. I'm oh, I'm going to watch that movie. And I was like, sure, Maggie, I'm sure you're going to check that out. There's so <laughs> many good ones, though. It's just phenomenal. That's kind of how my intro was, too. I have um, an older brother who's about five years older than me, and he would introduce me to a lot of different movies and music at a really young age. Like mm -hmm. in second or third grade, I was listening to like Metallica and Smashing Pumpkins and, you know, watching horror films, which some of my friends weren't allowed to do with me, um, which kind of sucked. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was always trying to scare me with them though. So mm -hmm. uh, from a young age, I kind of taught myself how to not be scared of them. So I would deconstruct them and think of them like as, you know, this is obviously a movie. So what makes it scary? Like it, it's the score, the, you know, back then the music of the film. So I would mute it and then I'd be like, okay, well, this isn't scary without the music. And then I'd think about, well, it's a movie and it's fake. So there's people making it and there's people on set. So then I started you know, thinking about special effects and, you know, makeup and wardrobe. So I really just deconstructed films from a young age and didn't really get scared of them very easily as a result. But, um, and as a film critic now and a film writer, especially a genre horror writer, um, I've noticed that like that kind of defense mechanism has definitely like carried over into my writing. And uh, it's because my brother tried to torture me as a kid. But I was like, <laughs> but I yeah. mean, that's where it, where it goes down to. And it's like, no, I just learned how to like, basically say like, I'm not going to be scared of this and I can hold my own and watch, you know, it or uh, Poltergeist without being, you know, freaked out at this guy tearing his face off in front of the mirror or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, the cover art is definitely something that resonates with me as well because going through the video store aisle, um, I remember specifically, uh, you know, Matthew Peak. he did the hand-painted artwork for the first Nightmare on Elm Street films, the first five, I think, and they were always really creepy but really beautiful. Like, I liked the color schemes on them and they were very ethereal, you know, dreamlike, and so those were always really interesting to me. And so I would try and find, you know, a scary cover to see if I could handle it. But 
like you're saying, I mean, some of the covers just don't even make sense. It was like a marketing ploy, like Chopping Mall, mm -hmm. that yeah. <laughs> cover doesn't make sense with the plot of the film or even House. Like I was so scared yeah. of the House cover with just this severed hand reading the doorbell. And that movie is so ridiculous and so fun and silly, but I mean, I didn't know that as a kid, it, it scared me. So um, some of them, like I couldn't watch until I was a little bit older, like, you know, Evil Dead 2 or Night of the Demons, but that was always really fun to just kind of go through and test yourself based on the VHS cover of what you like, think <laughs> you can handle. But. So that's funny you mentioned Night of the Demons because that was one of the first ones I watched. I'm guessing probably third or fourth grade because I'm old. Um, and the, the whole, yeah, lipstick scene, I'm like, why are my parents letting me watch this? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I feel uh, that way too, but I mean, I'm thankful for it now, but like at the same time, my birthday is in October, so all of my birthdays growing up have been Halloween based or, you know, they're more gimmicky, but I've always sort of felt comfortable with, you know, the different iconic images that are associated with horror or Halloween for that mm -hmm. reason. Yeah. You're lucky. I, I love October, so I'm always jealous of October. Yeah, people. I was going to say the same thing. I'm a summer baby, and I've so are you, Liz. I've always yeah. wanted, I've always been jealous of fall birthdays. Yes. They're fun. Well, yeah, Liz, what about, what about you, Liz? What was yours? Uh, well, for me, uh, I think the biggest thing was probably Are You Afraid of the Dark, as far as one oh, of yes. the first things I watched when I was a yeah. kid. Because I was a big Nickelodeon person. So I eventually watched Goosebumps, but Are You Afraid of the Dark was definitely the first one I watched and the one I watched more often. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I remember when I was a kid, I would watch a ton of that stuff. And then at one point, like around the age of 11, I just started getting really scared of everything. And I was a huge scaredy cat. And so I almost couldn't watch any of it anymore because I would get so upset and freaked out. And then, I don't know, it just switched over again and I loved it again. <laughs> and it was, I remember the first horror movie I watched because I asked my aunt actually what horror movie should I watch that would be a good one. And I was, I think probably 14 or 15. Um, and so one of the first mainstream horror movies, or I don't even know if it's that mainstream to be honest, but bigger horror movies was Darkness Falls, which is yeah <laughs> about tooth fairy yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is not a very good movie <laughs> but i will disagree with that one i love that movie <laughs> oh you love it okay yes. yeah good i i to be honest i haven't seen it in a very long time i just remember it being kind of like silly but uh i really enjoyed it when i was watching it. i had so much fun watching it and so then i just started you know, finding as much horror as I could. And I just started mm -hmm. watching a bunch of movies. So uh, I think that I had some sort of weird thing though, between the ages of 11 and 14, where I just was a huge scaredy cat. So I guess I I'm the, glad that I got over it. <laughs> I had the same thing, Liz. I think it was because my mom like never wanted, she's very like anti-horror, not in the sense that like she forbid me, but that she's like also scared of it. So she mm -hmm. never wanted me to see it because she was afraid I would be as scared as she was of it. So when <laughs> yeah. I was like a kid, aside from reading like Arl Stein and Goosebumps, my mom just like 
was so against it. So it created yeah. this like, oh no, it must be too scary for me to watch. Ah. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, have you guys ever experienced anything paranormal? Liz, have you? Uh, well, so for me, I personally don't think I've ever experienced anything paranormal. So I'm still on the fence, y'all. I don't know about it. Uh, but my one of my mom's favorite stories to tell is... So I have a little sister that I talked about who wanted to watch Hannibal really bad. But she uh, originally... My mom was pregnant with twins, and one of them was lost before she had my sister. And so she has this story where when Maggie was little, she was sitting in her... Uh, we were in a hotel uh, in a different state, and I can't remember. I think it was Minnesota, but I'm not positive. Um, and we... She was in her crib, or her little playpen thing... Is a playpen? Is that a word? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. A playpen? <laughs> it, just sounds, it sounds kind of weird to put a child in a playpen for some reason. So no, I, was I think like, that's that right. A... That was like pre-pack and play verbiage. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Pack and play is the new playpen, I yeah. think. Yes. Well, so she was in there and she woke up and she was able to talk. She was old enough to talk. So she must have been probably three or four or something. Mm -hmm. And she told my mom that she saw herself floating above her. And she... Oh, my God. Oh, that's yeah. so, so <laughs> And so she oh. said that she was sleeping. And uh, so it was some sort of, like... I, I think at one point she also mentioned she thought it was an angel. But it looked like her. And oh, so... It, I, which is weird because you think, okay, so the... You know, she had a twin at one point in the womb, so could that have somehow been this, like, twin that, you know, was reaching out to Maggie? So, I don't know. So, I, that's the only story that I really have that's connected to me personally, but... That's uh, crazy. Kids are scary. Yeah, kids, yeah, are, kids scary. are so weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's a sweet story, but... Yeah, for sure. Creeped out at the same time. Like, yeah. Little kids creep me out, and if they start singing, I'm like out of the room. Like I can't. Yeah, pass. No. But I think it's a thing too, like that they say kids are more in tuned or like open to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, that's like, so I just have a couple minor things. Like one of mine was when I was young. Um, my grandmother had passed away, and we were at the house after the funeral. And I'm in the bathroom and like vividly in my head, like there's like a tap on the door and like my grandmother asking if somebody's in there. And then I'm thinking like I'm a kid and like, wait, she's not here. So that was super creepy and trying to figure out through the years if that was grief or if it was actually her. Like um, that was yeah very weird. And then later in life, I stayed at the Lemp Mansion in St. Louis. And I don't know how many people are familiar. Oh, I um, know. Yeah. With this mansion, but um, it has a history. And when you stay there, or at least when I did, we were lucky there was no one else staying there, but the staff will not stay past dark. So they give you the keys. So what? It was, yeah, it was just myself <laughs> and another person. <laughs> And we have the keys to this mansion and it's winter time. Um, there's snow all over the ground. So I'm in the bathroom and the other person staying with me was in the same room. 
and there's a knock on the door. And we're looking out the windows because there's snow all over the ground. There's no car prints. There's no footprints. There's no one in the house. Um, And so that was like spooky. And then through the weekend, there was just little tiny things like cold air and um, like light fixtures would be like rotating like there's a breeze, but there's no vents because it's an old house and it didn't have like modern AC. So I, I highly recommend, I don't even know with COVID like what's open and what's not, but once we're done with all this craziness, um, it was a beautiful, beautiful house mm-hmm. and really nice weekend staycation, but very- Can I uh, be the first to suggest a Black Magic, Black Magic Coven uh, trip up there? Yes. yes. <laughs> I am down to go back. This has been a long time ago, so, but it was amazing. Walking. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They give you the key. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That part creeped us out because we weren't expecting that. It was like, yeah, the staff leaves. We're not going to stay here overnight. Good luck. You're on your own. Bye. (laughs) I can also just imagine working at the hotel, though, too, and having that be a ploy, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. People, but I like it either way. Like, I like it either way. (laughs) Count me in. Oh, man. Okay, so Marissa, what about you? Yeah, what's yours? Spooky? Yeah, um, I've had a couple, but the most intense one was this past year when I went down to this place in San Antonio called the Black Swan Inn. Um, I went through this company called Haunted Rooms America where you can go and with a group of about 12, 15 people, you can stay overnight at haunted locations. And so the Black Swan Inn is like a Greek revival plantation home that was built in 1867. And it's on the grounds of the 1842 Battle of Salado. And there was like, I think 60 Mexican soldiers were massacred and their bodies were just laid there to rot where they fell. So there's a lot of death um, that's happened there. And then apparently the house is also rumored to be uh, built upon a Native American burial ground. So it has a really rich history. And so we went there and, uh, oh God. So (laughs) we were given dousing rods and you, in an EVP box and <clears throat> there were three women there who were mediums and they kind of just gave you a heads up of how to use them and dousing rods are these metal rods that you hold and they're supposed to be some sort of connection to the spiritual spiritual realm to communicate and in the old days they were used to find water so there's like I don't know the we were basically able to walk all over the ground all night, sleep out in the front yard, um, and just kind of investigate and do like our own little ghost hunt. But when we, my friend and I, when we were doing it, we went in very nonchalant, like not really taking it very seriously. We're sneaking back to our tent to take like shots of whiskey when there was no booze around. Like we weren't really, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we were mm-hmm. just having fun with it. But, <laughs> uh, Things started getting really weird around midnight and one o'clock and we were using our EVP box and various words would pop up. And when we would use the dousing rods, um, 
this name, I think it was Dylan popped up and we were, you have to answer yes or no questions. So if you ask a question and the answer is yes, then the rods will cross into an X. And if it's no, then they'll go uh, like go away from each other. So we were asking questions and after a while basically came to the conclusion that this, you know, spirit that we were supposedly communicating with was a, um, a soldier and uh, he had been in that battle and he had a favorite chair in the house um, because my friend asked if he had a favorite, if she had like a favorite part of the house and the word chair popped up on the EVP. So um, we basically followed it into this room of the mansion where there was a psychomantium, which is a small room uh, with a chair and dim lighting and an angled mirror. And it's a room to communicate with the dead. And apparently people had used that to communicate like back in the age of spiritualism and demon, you know, we're trying to like summon demons and stuff at one point, which was really strange. And we learned this after um, we were in this room, mind you. And that's fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i said we've been in very just you know oh yeah well let's see what happens and then we learned all this really dark shit afterwards but um yeah it was pretty interesting but um after that we went to the dairy barn and this woman who was part of the group was talking and with her evp and the dousing rods there like immediately when we walked in, my friend started getting headaches. The room was extremely cold. And I mean, I live in Texas, you know, it doesn't really get cold here. And this was an old building and there was no AC or anything. So it's really cold. Um, she's starting to ask questions on the, using the dousing rods and her child's name popped up on the EVP. And that was really creepy. Um, apparently, she got really freaked out, ran out of the barn. We went after her, my friend and I, and she was saying how her son is, he was basically mute until he was like six or seven. And uh, they think that their house is haunted. Mind you, everyone in this group that went on this haunted tour had experiences in their home that they wanted to get help with, except my friend and I. So oh. yeah, it was really weird. Um, and so she said that, basically this tour and meeting these mediums it was like her and her husband's last hope to help her son and uh whatever paranormal stuff is going on within their home and then you know before she ran out uh she asked if her son was safe and if these ghosts would ever leave them alone and the dousing rods went really violently polar opposite and like shot out um you know towards no and then the word malice popped up on the evp and i get goose i have goosebumps right now just talking about it it was the most creepy thing i have ever witnessed just having that sort of like weird communication and her freaking out and she said that her son didn't say anything until he was like six years old and the or seven years old and the first thing that he ever said was mommy there are ghosts in my closet no, that's yeah. so scary. Yeah. Like that's all he's ever said. And then the parents go to this, you know, haunted experience to try and get help. And she's just breaking down, smoking cigarettes and shaking. And I'm just oh my like, gosh. 
So let's yeah. not put that on the field trip list. Yeah. Yeah. Like, go back to my tent and take a shot of whiskey real quick. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, this is terrifying. Uh, it was um it was interesting. I didn't really have any like personal connection, but like even when I went back to my uh house after that trip, my friend and I, you know, used sage and they told mm-hmm. us to put salt above our windows our windows ledges and the door frames in our house to like not carry anything back. And um we also on the EVP got these uh were told to like not go into the woods essentially. And then I had this black and white print of, you know, the woods, random picture of a forest in like right when you walk into my bedroom and when I walked in, um, it flew off the wall. No. Like, what? Yeah. Like it didn't just fall. The, the, the nail was sturdy. It, it was not just like it slipped and fell. Like it, it probably propelled like a good, like three inches away from the wall as if someone just, you know, charged behind the wall and it just popped off and then it just fell and shattered. Nope. That's terrifying. Yeah, and, and I was like, Don't I was like, like nope, nope. I slept in my roommate's room for like three days after that. Like, I, it was the most uncomfortable feeling. Like, we both felt so just, it's uh, just uncomfortable for days after that experience. It was really, really, really strange. I still get goosebumps talking about it, but kind um, of amazing though. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, yeah, that's. <laughs> That's a good story. I'm like kind of jealous because I think I'm in like on the same page as Liz where I haven't really personally had anything paranormal happen to me, but there are a lot of stories in my family that we talk about that have happened to people. Um, Like most notably in Northern Colorado, my aunts, it was like my aunt and her husband, she had a few kids in their basement. They had what they thought was a civil war soldier ghost. And like nothing really, like nothing really happened other than they would occasionally see him because like um, my oldest cousin lived in the basement. His bedroom was down there and the laundry room was down there. And then they had like a little hangout area down there and they just would occasionally see him and they'd just be like, hello, how are you? (laughs) Was he a soldier for the north or the south? I believe for the North, if I remember <laughs> okay. correctly. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like the South maybe would have, you know, been a little more, had a little more malice. Yeah. He was very, yeah, he, sure. he was very like, he was just there is what everyone said. Like occasionally they'd look up and you know, he was in like a, he was a war soldier and he'd be standing there and they just kind of would acknowledge him and Jeez. go about their way. And I don't that know. was weird. What would be freakier, like seeing a full-on apparition or just having things like sort of move or, you know, instances. Like I didn't see anything. It was mostly just like feelings and weird coincidences. And sure. um, yeah, just like really unnerving. Uh, I did go on a ghost hunt at the Stanley uh, in Estes Park, which you guys probably know inspired Stephen King to write The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on a ghost tour there and it was super fun. Uh, I did, I, they say capture a ghost on camera. I tried to find the pictures. I can't find them. I'll have to like keep digging. Cause it was just an orb, like moving across a table in what was what it was the men's quarter of like the Stanley. It was where the men had their like cigars and whiskey and whatnot. Um, 
but otherwise it was just really cool to tour that hotel oh yeah well if he was in the men's quarter he probably sucked anyway so it's a good thing true yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was good nice so I know everyone here has probably had people tell them what they're into is weird and creepy Mm-hmm. And that's all relative to each person. What would you guys say is like your weird, creepy obsession? <sighs> Who's going first? <laughs> well, okay. So for me and Marissa, you might end up agreeing with me. I'm not sure, but because I know you also enjoy these stories, books, all this information, but I definitely am very interested in basically burials what we do with dead bodies in science all this kind of stuff after you know post-mortem so mm-hmm. uh some of my favorite books recently well not super recently i guess but some of my favorite books are traveling the world to find the good death from here to eternity by caitlin doherty or Doty. I just want to interject. Dowdy? I just bought that book off Amazon because of you. It's I literally so also bought that book. <laughs> it's so good. I and yes, I am with you. I am into all that too. So like yeah. weird and creepy to other people, but I, I mean, I, I'm with you on it. <laughs> yeah. And then my, one of my other favorites is Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers by Mary Roach. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she also has one about ghosts, but I haven't read it. So she has a lot of good books about that kind of stuff as well. But, uh, you know, reading, uh, while I was reading the Caitlin Dowdy book, uh, from here to eternity, which is all about burials and how people deal with death across the world. Uh, I was relaying a lot of this information to my fiance and, you know, every time I would read about a new way, I would, you know, (laughs) explain to him oh my gosh this is so cool da, 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 da. and so by the end of the book i decided that my favorite way to you know have the body move on uh is sky burials and so yeah. i said if there's any yeah. way ever that you could just have me have a sky burial someday please do it uh you know let the birds come down and devour my dead flesh and <laughs> Uh, then I can be part of the ecosystem once again. And I think I freaked him out a little bit. But Honestly, uh, that's you know? super cool. <laughs> that's super yeah, cool, but so. I see why like people think that's like real weird. Yeah. Because it's oh, just yeah. so out of the norm. <laughs> but honestly, that's, ra- that's rad. But that's like out <laughs> of the norm for the United States, you know? Uh, yeah, you're the right. The yeah. is, like, United States is, it can be so xenophobic and so it's interesting in her second book where you learn about different cultures and how they embrace death and mortality and how they, you know, do body preparation. Um, it's so different, but I think that we're so far removed from death. It's so taboo um, that, yeah, to us, it's like it can be really creepy and weird, but other countries, that's the norm, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a beautiful thing. Um, I like challenging people's comfort zones with, you know, different cultural traditions and same thing with folklore and stuff. So yeah. I find that really interesting, but not everybody does. And that's why well, they look at you like that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the cool thing about death is like it, 
it, I mean, I say cool, but like it, it's a, it's a natural thing. Everyone, it happens to everyone. Right. So it's interesting to look at the way different cultures embrace what naturally happens to the human body. Right. And that's what Caitlin's all about too, with the, you know, she started this whole death positive movement and uh, the order of the good death is basically like, you know, embracing your mortality embracing death not being so scared of it i mean it's okay to be scared of it but because it is natural in a way of life like it's okay to talk about it's okay to embrace it's okay to plan ahead of time um you know even with the covid stuff going on people thought it was so morbid that i already have like my death arrangements planned out and i was like no i just see it as being like practical it's not yeah it's normal it's, it's not really anything that's bad or sad it's like well it's gonna happen one day so why not be well, prepared you know and that's like the last will and testament like the older you get the more it makes more practical sense to actually be prepared for like if you suddenly meet your demise you have all this stuff it probably makes sense for you to be prepared as yeah. to who gets what and what's going to happen to it. Yeah, and it takes the, you know, the whole funeral industry, I know we're going to talk about this probably later, but the whole funeral industry is also just very, it can be very manipulative and mm -hmm. uh, unnecessarily expensive. And they kind of, you know, making those decisions when you're in mourning is even more difficult than when you are, you know, not having to face um you know, being forced to face to make those decisions, I guess. But yeah, right. I agree, um, you know, with Liz, that's definitely some like a creepy obsession. I mean, I talk about death a lot because um, I've experienced it from a very young age and a good amount of it. So I don't really feel uncomfortable talking about it, but a lot of people do. And I've been called a Debbie Downer multiple times because of it, but I don't really uh, see it as that way it gives me sort of more appreciation for life and um so i would probably say that but also um a weird obsession might be i don't know about an obsession but i have an interest in like uh taxidermy and uh collecting like i collect skulls and bones and um you know i don't think that whole process is uh like negative at all really I think of it as nature and natural and I see sort of there's like an art form in bringing life back into something that is dead um and preserving it and uh for like science as well so I'm really interested in the scientific aspect of death too including like old you know psychiatric procedures or you know medical uh you know medical advancements over time that's also really interesting to me so mm -hmm. i think blurring the lines between like life and death and anything science related within that realm is something that i really enjoy that is not so widely accepted all the time sure i think that's another field trip we need to plan uh to gore's <laughs> gore psychiatric museum Absolutely. in st joe oh yeah marissa if you can't come up here we'll just uh you know, video call you. I'll find a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, well, Andrea, what about you? Andrea, do you have any creepy obsessions? This one is like pretty open-ended. Um, I tend to obsess over things periodically and then move on. But I think one thing that's like held on through time is just like horror movies, which I never really thought was creepy until friends of mine started like commenting on 
hey, the only movies you watch are horror genre, <laughs> um, regardless <laughs> if they are silent films or like classics, like Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is one of my favorites. I love the silly 80s slasher movies um, to psychological horror, which they don't want to call horror because they won't win an award if it's called a horror movie. Um, sure. <laughs> but I, I like all of those. And then I feel like my other one is the need to cosplay those characters um nice. and that's something that i'm very amateur at but is something that i just absolutely love um doing and being them and just not being myself for a little while is the best yeah that's awesome. so who is the last character you cosplayed before we really haven't been at some place that you cosplay very often anymore. <laughs> so my, my last one is kind of funny. Um, I did a dry run for Halloween and I was actually going to wear it to Crypticon uh, Kansas City this year, which sadly isn't happening, but um, I kind of like to do my own thing and I, it's a parody on the movie It. So it's like Pennywise, but it's bring it on. So it's like the cheerleading costume oh my with God. the Pennywise face. That's amazing. Um, I think I it, saw you share a photo and it was yeah, pretty great. I love it's that. like hashtag awkward boner. That's what that costume is. Um, but yeah, I've done um, Annabelle. I've done some Hellraiser. Um, mm -hmm. I do a Silent Hill nurse. And it's just one of my favorite things ever to do. Yeah, That's you awesome. do great cosplay. I've seen it quite Thanks. a few times. Um. So I guess I'm last. Yeah. I'm going to go with... Uh, so I feel like this is kind of common nowadays with all of like the podcast realm and stuff, but um, serial killers has always been super interesting to me. Uh, I studied like sociology and psychology whenever I could in high school and uh, briefly in college. Uh, and just like the methodology and like why people do what they do and also uh, the initial signs of serial killers as children is super interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely gone on tangents with strangers and friends alike where they're <laughs> like, you're insane. <laughs> what, <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, I cried when the Golden State Killer was finally arrested. Uh, he was finally convicted the other day, Joseph D'Angelo, uh, sentenced to life in prison. So it's just, it's always been interesting to me, like the crimes that have never been solved, like the Zodiac, and the Black Dahlia murder, um, who they did it, why they did it, what the suspects, like who the suspects are, that always has been a big interest of mine. And I'm gonna thank my mom for that because she used to watch like the first 48 mm -hmm. and forensic files and unsolved mysteries and all the like classic horror murder shows that were on cable television in the late 90s. There were so many. <laughs> there were so many, truly. Mm -hmm. I also am always fascinated by aliens. So that's yeah. my other kind of obsession. X-Files and Unsolved Mysteries. Yep. Like specifically the most recent season of Unsolved Mysteries, episode five is about um, like an alien experience that happened in a town. And oh, yeah. a bunch, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a bunch of people yeah. were strangers, but within, I think it was two square miles or something they all experience something like time loss and this bright light and an object they'd never seen before but none of them knew each other so th things like that are super interesting to me as well aliens terrified me as a kid i saw um 
fire in the sky way too young. Oh my and gosh. <laughs> that was a very irrational fear of mine as a child was getting uh, abducted by aliens. It, it was like a real concern for me for a long <laughs> time. And I, yeah, I would watch the X-Files with my dad and I was like, I, I can't handle aliens. Like I can handle monsters and I can handle sure. serial killers, I think, because they're human, but aliens, there's mm-hmm. just so, uh, they're so unknown and there's so much like unknown territory. I just, it really freaked me out. God, yeah, I think that's what fascinated me so much about it mm-hmm. is there's nothing to prove they aren't out there, but there's right. really nothing to prove they are out there. There's just an infinite universe that's ever expanding. Yeah, that's funny because I'm the total opposite. And like, I'm scared of the unsolved murders, like true crime stories, sure. and like movies like The Strangers, like stuff that oh, like could yeah. actually happen to me. Mm-hmm. Home then, invasion is my yeah. ultimate fear. Yeah, it's Andrea, I I am right there with you. The only movie I've ever walked out of is the Poughkeepsie tapes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, can watch that movie. It's so because, good that it's hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I was at the theater by myself, no. and I walked out of the theater, and I had to walk back to my car by myself, and I remember being oh. so terrified, and I went home. I had only watched probably 30 minutes of the movie. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I went home and I had to check every single corner of my apartment because the big mm-hmm. part of that is like, he's hiding inside of closets and stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So was I'm with film, you, Andrea. Did that film actually get a theatrical release? Like it was at Panic Fest. Okay, I was going to say, because I remember working in a different theater years before Panic Fest and the trailers, I worked in the projection booth and the trailers were there and we got an email one day that was that essentially said, pull every trailer for Poughkeepsie tapes, we're not ever showing this movie in theaters. Oh, Screenland yeah. wrote it. <laughs> Screenland, shout yes. out. Well, even with the Golden State Killer, I mean, he yeah. would sneak into people's houses. This really freaked me out. Like he would yeah. sneak into people's houses beforehand, like premeditated murder, like set yep. up the situation, like take bullets out of their guns and like hide mm-hmm. things and leave doors and windows unlocked for later. I mean. I think the scariest yeah. thing about the Golden State Killer to me was not only the planning, but there were multiple instances where he, or at least for sure one, where he stacked plates on one of the, the yeah. husband's back and said, basically, if I hear a plate break, then I'm going to kill your wife. Well, and so it's just, gnarly. he planned it out so meticulously, and then he got away with it for so long. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, I think, 78. Yeah. Now, and that yeah. was in the 70s early to mid 80s that this was all happening and he just stopped so So yeah that stuff's scary and i feel like like independence day gave me a false sense of security because i'm like if an alien comes (laughs) up you just punch it in the face and you're fine that's true or like that's all you do is punch it yeah Yeah. it's gonna be fine (laughs) yeah this was definitely a childhood fear as an adult yeah like the more plausible stuff and the strangers is one of the scariest films Mm -hmm. i've ever seen to this day i mean just simply you know because you were home yeah yep you don't even need really a motive like just yeah opportunistic um you know murder and horror is very scary to me when i watch monster films or paranormal stuff i just think about special effects and you know same yeah just how fun they are the idea behind it how did you execute that kill or how did you you know which might be creepy to some people but um you know even like 
Have y'all seen Gerald's game? The yep. Mike Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The degloving scene. Yep. Like, oh yeah. Oh, so good. And I remember at Fantastic Fest, everyone was just cringing. So many people were cringing and turning away and covering their mouth and their eyes. And I just loved it. I thought it was yeah. so well done. But well, and I think that's uh, something you guys might relate on. For me, like horror, mil- horror. Sorry, I can't talk. Horror movies, personally, when I'm like anxious or stressed out. I can put it on and channel all of my anxiety and stresses into that 90 minutes or two hours of horror movie. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Instead of cathartic. Yeah. yeah. Instead of focusing on whatever I'm stressed about mm-hmm. in the outside world, I just focus on my stressors in this horror film. It's, it's a nice, calming, cathartic thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And just speaking about like um, a lot of films and pop culture references, I'm curious, what was, um, who's your favorite pop culture or movie witch? So I can go first. Um, The Wizard of Oz is my favorite movie of all time. And I'm sure throughout this, I'm going to talk about it a lot. And I'm (laughs) sure it's weird to a lot of people, Um, but it's the perfect movie and Margaret Hamilton as the Wicked Witch of the West is just Mm -hmm. phenomenal and just her look, her castle, the monkeys, like wanting those shoes, something as a kid, like I didn't want to be Glinda when I was like five or six years old, (laughs) like I wanted to be her and have like the the hourglass, like everything about her aesthetic is how I'm like basing my living room as a 30 something year old (laughs) adult. so she's my icon. That's it. It's funny you say that because I literally 45 minutes ago was having a conversation with someone about the Wizard of Oz and they say Glenda the Good Witch is actually the evil one. Because so I'm down with that. Because she, she could have called Dorothy all along. All she had to do was click her heels and she could have gone home. Well, and the second like the Wicked Witch shows up, she's like, go away. And she's scared of her, obviously. Yeah. So she's powerful, but she just chooses to leave the munchkins in slavery. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, she's not great in her for the record, gum pink dress. Yeah, I have a Wizard of Oz tattoo. So I also love that movie. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> uh, for me... It was uh, Hocus Pocus. Mm. As a kid, that that movie was something I remember recording on VHS from, I don't know, the Disney Channel, maybe. Winifred, Sarah, Mary, the Sanderson sisters. It was so fun to see them come alive in this town. And it's it's spooky for children. But watching it now as an adult, I'm like, yeah, like the Black Flame Candle. <laughs> you guys are great. <laughs> I want to see the Sanderson sisters. Yeah. Have you been to Salem before? No, I'm dying to go. Oh, I've you never gotta been. go. It's going. So one thing I do for fun is uh, I like going to film locations, and it's it's so fun to go to all the film locations there from Hocus Pocus. Uh huh. I believe it. It's so great, and um, there's a lot of good haunted places to go there too. But yeah, that'd be a good that'd be a good road trip or place to check out but let's start a list yeah <laughs> i love Tokus pocus too growing up it was really fun and they all have yeah. very distinct personalities too mm-hmm. so you know even if you like want to play or like you identify with one witch over another you know. yeah and it's i mean 
it's dark for a kid show like mm-hmm. billy is this oh, zombie God, yeah. basically <laughs> his like her like scorned lover that she sewed his mouth shut and i'm into she that call- yeah i don't know <laughs> there's there's so many elements of that movie that really are kind of dark but mm-hmm. watching it now as an adult it's just so much fun to mm-hmm. go back to and see so it was billy and, everyone's and- first undead crush a hundred percent. Well, Billy was everybody's uh, first entry into Doug Jones, I'm sure as well. Yeah. So, Pretty sure, yeah. Jones, yeah. We love Doug Jones. Oh, we love Doug Jones. <laughs> what about? Uh, well, for me, I personally, this was kind of a hard question for me because I love. I mean, I'm sure as of most all of you, also love witchy movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had to go with Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I knew you were going to do that. (laughs) So good. (laughs) I mean, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is one of my all-time favorite pieces of media in the world. Uh, So, and Willow definitely is one of the best characters on the show. I mean, the show almost becomes about Willow more towards the end than it is, Mm -hmm. uh, is about Buffy sometimes. So uh, she's amazing. Uh, And I mean, just everything that that show did for television uh, and, you know, promoting, uh, you know, spooky stuff, but then also a lot of social issues that they talked about on the show. uh, I will always, always hold a special place in my heart for Willow. So Willow Rosenberg is my favorite witch. I love it. Oh, it was hard for me too to pick a favorite witch, but like I was thinking about some of the ones that have sort of transpired from childhood into adulthood, and I had to go with the Angelica Houston as the Grand High Witch from the Witches. Yes, from the- yeah, yes. good. <laughs> that was a close one for me too. It's so great, and that movie holds up so well. I mean, even I was listening to the score the other day. Um, because the anniversary, what, like the 20th, no, like the 30th anniversary of it, uh, mm-hmm. I think was like, just a couple of days ago. And even once I hear the, the score, it makes me uncomfortable. Like it's a really good, whimsical, creepy score, but I was really creeped out by that book or that movie as a kid. And I read the book and the book was fine, but, mm-hmm. um, the movie was just really disturbing to me on a lot of different levels. And... I love um, the special effects makeup. When she peels back her face and just takes that mask off, that is so gnarly and it's so well done. I love it. And it still looks so good. Um, So that was really fun. And I also just like how as an adult, um, she's a businesswoman and (laughs) (laughs) she's like, she just gets all all her other witches and, you know, they uh, have this plan to sell chocolate and, you know, wipe out (laughs) children from the world. So she's very, she's a businesswoman and a witch, you know? So there's like (laughs) this monetary aspect of it and this like use of power that isn't normally given to women. um, I think in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways, like through that aspect, but also just uh it was kind of refreshing to see this might make me sound like a bad person i'm really not but it it's (laughs) i mean it was kind of nice to see female roles who didn't like children and wanted. no i don't you know what i mean but it yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah it wasn't like as sinister oh no it was more sinister than um to me than uh, Hocus Pocus where they were like sucking the 
souls out of it. Like something about making them into rodents was just so visually disturbing and intense and gruesome and ruthless to me that I kind of loved it. Yes. But um, I mean, yeah, Roald Dahl was (laughs) what a man. So have you guys heard, I've, I've heard rumors that they are planning on reimagining or remaking that movie. They are. They are. And they I are. feel like there's... The poster is out, and honestly, there's I'm no excited way. about it. There's they a poster? Put... Yeah, know. it's got Anne Hathaway, Stanley Tucci. Stanley and, uh, Tucci? <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm down with that, else. but it's it can't be as dark. There's no way they'd get away with that now, marketing it at the audience that the original was marketed at. Like, yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I mean, things are so different about, now. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about the 80s and the 90s where we were just very okay with terrifying children, and yes. uh-huh. that's probably why we all are how we are today. So. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and but, uh, we turned out okay, right? Perfectly normal, well-adjusted yeah. adults. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I met R.L. Stein one day at a. This is sort of a tangent, but I met R.L. Stein one time uh, the same day as I met Stephen King on a book tour. And uh-huh. I was talking to him about like growing up reading Goosebumps and Fear Street. And he was like, well, you turned out all right. You know, like you're fine. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm totally fine. And then he, it was hilarious watching him talk to these kids too, because one kid asked him, he was like, he's probably like 10 years old. And he goes, did you like writing um, Goosebumps or did you like writing Fear Street better? And he said, I like writing Fear Street books better because you can kill teenagers off. You can't kill kids <laughs> and teenagers in Goosebumps. And I was like, I love you so much. This is hilarious. That's, and he said it so just deadpan, flat affect, you know? It was great. That's amazing. So, I don't know. I mean, I hope The Witches is pretty dark. I know Robert uh, Zemeckis is on Zemeckis, board. Zemeckis, yeah. And Guillermo del Toro is also on board, too. So I just hope they don't... I hope they go dark, and I hope they do uh, really good practical effects. I'm going to be really disappointed if it's, like, saturated with CGI, honestly. Yeah, yeah agreed. And they have a high bar to jump over. They do. Yeah, they really yeah. do. Yeah, and Anne Hathaway, I mean, she was all right as, you know... Catwoman, but I'm very curious to see her take on a darker role as well. Yeah, I mean, I love Anne Hathaway, and if you haven't seen the movie Colossal, I... Well, that movie's so fun. Mm-hmm. I think she's just amazing, and I think she has pretty... I think she actually does have pretty decent range, so I'm excited to see what she does. Yeah, because so. I always think of, like, Eva Green would be in that kind of a role, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But... I like surprises, so I'm hoping that she can pull out something that'll um, disturb kids like, you know, we were growing up. Right. <laughs> but actually, at this point in time, I kind of feel bad for kids because they've gone through a lot, like real life shit, more than we did. So, I mean, I don't know. They, Very might, true. they might need a break, actually. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, our generation will enjoy it, too. So, we'll see. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, that was my favorite witch. <laughs> that's awesome. Cool. Well, if you have made it to the end of our episode, then you have officially entered the coven. So thank you so much for joining us. And to truly show your dedication to the coven, you should check out our social media pages. We are at Black Magic Coven on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we will be back again with our next episode. And what is that about, Kaylee? 
we're going to take you on a tour of Stoll, Kansas, which may or may not be one of the gateways to hell. This concludes the gathering of the Black Magic Coven. listening to a downright creepy original on the Crickets Podcast Network.